What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in to Backmarker Podcast. This is episode 16. Tonight, or actually this morning, really, we're going to talk about the Crashing Ring Grand Prix, as well as the Canadian Grand Prix, and a little bit about IndyCar, uh, specifically Romain Grosjean and uh, Will Power's um, desire to punch him in the face. So let's get started with MotoGP, um, and let's, you know, get the big topic out of the way that everyone else has been talking about, and that is Honda's struggles. Um, obviously, in case, and I'm sure nobody knows about this, but Mark Marquez crashed five times over the weekend and decided to withdraw uh, from the race. I know this is breaking news to everyone, and this is the first you've heard of it, but that's why you tune into the podcast, right? Um, but all joking and sarcasm aside, um, I think a lot of us, I, and I for one, uh, was thinking that Mark Marquez was going to at least be on the podium, maybe even win this race. Um, mainly because he's been so fucking dominant at this race uh, for the past decade plus. Um, and we all knew that the Honda sucked. But the fact that the fact that Mark was overriding that bike so much that he crashed five times and had to withdraw because he he just kept hurting himself highlights just how bad that bike is. Um, and he didn't even qualify well. I mean, he qualified eleventh. Um, so the fact that he didn't even qualify well, and then on you know to add pun intended, add insult to injury. Um, he had to withdraw because of it. Um, yeah, it's it's just it's going to be interesting to see just how much, if any, Honda improves over this season. Um, they need riders, and not just any riders, but they need riders that are able to develop the bike. Um, I'm not sure if Joan Mir. Um, is the right guy for that, you know, in, in all honesty, if, if HRC really, really wants to turn this program around, I would look at maybe going to, maybe going Juwan Mir or finding a way somehow to get a rider to ride the RC213V and that is extremely good at developing the bike. Um, and I don't know who that could be. You know, the only person that comes to mind, but he's already taken, he's he's actually going to race, um, I think it's next weekend with KTM, is Danny Pedrosa. Um, but I don't know who, who Honda has available to help develop that bike that would be able to develop it in the right direction. Um, I know that Mark wants to have a hands-on of, it wants to be very, very hands-on and basically dictate everything that Honda does in, in regards to developing the bike. They brought over Ken Kawauchi, um to help that. But, you know, if you can't, it's hard to revive a dead body. And that's pretty much what this bike is. It is dead. Um, yeah, it's as much... I, I want to see I want to see Honda back on 
compete again. I want to see parody. I want to see Mark back up there. I want to see battles. Um, I don't, it doesn't, what team and manufacturer matters less to me than, than just having proper action. Like, you know, not to get too far off this tangent, um, but the battle between Pecco and Jorge, that was fucking amazing. That's the kind of racing that we, that I think a lot of us want to see and love. Hard, 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 but fair racing. Freddie Spencer and his and his cluster of clowns not fucking having to mess the race up. That's the kind of racing that I love to see and I miss so badly. And in all honesty, I don't care if it's a bunch of Ducatis that are doing that. I really don't care. I just want to see racing where we're already not auto-filling out who's going to win the race. Um, you know, to to <laughs> to show my age and my and my nationality. Um, back when uh, AMA Superbike was still a thing, and Suzuki was just had a death grip on the championship. We had two riders. Uh, one of them you might have heard by the name of Ben Spees, and the other one is Matt Mulladen. Those guys basically finished 1-2. And there was a running joke with the AMA uh, beat riders basically saying that <clears throat> that they had that they had their post-race uh, stories all written up. They just left the names blank because they didn't know who they know if Matt, if Matt was going to finish first and Ben second or the other way around. But it was funny because it was true. And to me, it to me, I don't really. It doesn't really matter if if that is kind of like a, um, a punchline, an accurate punchline. I just want to see, I just want to see, you know, action. I don't want to, I don't want it to turn into Formula One like it is right now, where after the first few laps, you know, you just pack everything up and wait for a safety car or some, you know, something to neutralize the field, bunch it up again, and then go back to seeing it, you know, start paying attention to it. And then things settle down again and the race is over. Um, but yeah, it's circling back to to Honda, not getting too far off this this tangent. Um, it's tough. It's tough to see a team like that um, struggling so much, and especially having it be highlighted so so badly at a track where they've been so dominant at. Um, but this is this is their own doing. Um, uh, first on the, uh, we've had a couple of discussions on, uh, first on the breaks, um, uh, Facebook page. And my take is, is that th- this is, this is Honda's own doing this. This is Honda's own fault because for the longest time they, they went all in on Mark Marquez. You know, they, they let him, they gave him everything he wanted. They focused on building a bike that exploited his talent and only his talent. They didn't give a shit about H, um, LCR. Sorry, I was going to say Jersey. LCR, the LCR riders or his teammate. They really didn't care. Um, and then obviously when, when Mark got 
got injured, they had to come up with a backup plan. And then when they found out that, oh shit, he might not even, he might not even come back, they had to enforce that, that backup plan. And that backup plan sucked ass because basically they just said, okay, we need to make a bike that is more rider friendly, is more universally rider friendly. Maybe that's not right, the right word, but I, I think you kind of get where I'm getting at. They needed to make a bike that more than one person, that, that someone who's not an alien can ride. And they didn't know how to do it. So then all of a sudden, Mark, just, Mark comes back and he gets on the bike and the bike is, he gets back on the bike while they're trying to figure out how to not make the bike suck ass so much because they can't, they can't make a bike. They can't make a bike that, that most of the other MotoGP riders can ride. So now you've got a, you've got a rider who's not only trying to change his, I don't want to say change his riding style, but adapt to his adapt to his new riding style because of his injuries at the same time that the team is trying to adapt to the team's trying to adapt the bike to make it where it's more rider friendly, not just to Mark, but also to his teammate, whether that was Paul at the time or uh, Joan Mir. And it just seems like nobody knew what direction to go. Um, or maybe they did and it was the exact opposite. We don't know. But the Honda can't blame anybody but themselves. And to an extent... Mark as well, um, but yeah, it's 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 tough. I it's tough seeing it's tough seeing a team like that struggle, and it's tough seeing a writer like that struggle. Even though, regardless of how many times Matt Burt wants to fucking say Mark Marquez's name when he's not even in the fucking race, um, which is why I'm calling him the parrot now, and. Bleh. That boy can't even freaking talk. That that boy can't even smack talk either. That that reply was. <laughs> I haven't asked some of my friends who, were, some of my British friends, like, okay, am I just like not, am I just not understanding this because I'm not British, or is he really just that nonsensical? And they just they they said, yeah, he's. I don't know fucking understand what he's trying to get at. So, um. Can confirm that uh, Dorna stores their brains when stores their brains in you know some sort of a tank when they're not broadcasting, and then inserts the tank and updates you know updates their software or whatever when they when they do commentate um, because that was um, yeah that was interesting. Speaking of interesting, um, let's talk about Jack Miller and his um, his very vanilla comments about uh, his rivals. Um, this is going to be courtesy of Autosport.com and Lewis Duncan. I'm going to read the comments verbatim, um, and I'll give my two cents on this uh, <laughs> afterwards. 
So again, this we're, this is a quote from 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 Jack. We're we're the only ones not complaining about our motorcycles, and we're actually trying to do something about it to fix it. All they do is throw their toys out of their cot and say, "My bike is shit." It's simple as that. Oh, <laughs> uh, why are they shit? Because they kicked ninety nine percent of their engineers to get his engineers, his guys in there, and now they're fucked, and he can't even make it past a lap. So it's their own doing. Everyone wants to complain about their own bikes. Nobody wants to do anything about it. Shut the fuck up and get on with the job. You're paid to ride a motorcycle, not be a fucking princess and complain about your bike. Oh, boy. Um, It's not clear who exactly he, Miller, is referring to. Um, You can... Some say it's it's throwing shade at Marquez. Um, But... He could also be talking about. He could also be talking about Pecco now that he's not with Ducati and defending him anymore, um, or he could be talking about everyone else. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of riders um, this year, um, clearly not with KTM, uh, because Pitt and Hervé got rid of those riders, uh, Remy Gardner uh, specifically. But you know, he could be just making a blanket statement with. Several writers, um, but <laughs> that is um, that's pretty spicy. Um, I do agree with him with when it comes to the engineers, um, be, but that's just because that's how not just MotoGP um, specifically, but motorsports in general has become, where it's become very. Um, I'm trying to find the right word, but. They become very insulated um, and very, very insulated, very insulated within the team. You know, you have writers who's, who bring, when they switch teams, they bring their own people in because, because of the, of the communication and trust that they've built up, which yes, that brings in familiarity, but, but also you, I think we can all see the the potential issues where you're bringing in not just a writer, but his engineer and maybe some other people who have never worked on, you know, say that they brought him over from uh, Suzuki to Honda or Yamaha to, to Ducati or whatever. And they're unfamiliar with not just with the bike, but also how the team is structured, how they run things, everything. And, there is so much pressure on these writers <clears throat> to perform immediately that it, you know sometimes they I don't want to say look for an excuse but they they try to justify their lack of performance um because again you know you go for it's like going from one job to another you can go you know if you work for if you're an auto mechanic or a heavy duty mechanic like me, you go from one company like Mercedes and go to BMW. Yes, they're the same fucking kind of car. They're the same. They're from the same nation, but how they do things is completely fucking different. It's the same kind of thing with when it comes to race teams, and it may be exaggerated. It may be even great. It may be even a bigger change and a bigger difference because of how competitive. And how invested all these people are, um, like uh, 
Tony Elise's um, race engineer said, if you don't live, eat, breathe this stuff, you know, you're not you're not going to extract everything you can. You're not going to be able to extract 100% out of it. And that's the case with motorsports in general. You don't live, eat, if you're on a Ducati team, you don't eat, eat live, huh, English is so hard sometimes. If you don't eat, breathe, and live Ducati, then you're not going to give it everything you got. So you got these guys that for long, for a year or several years, Lived, eat, breathe, Yamaha, Suzuki, Honda, KTM, or Aprilia, and they come over to Ducati, they're going to be like a fish out of water for a little bit. Um, and then also, like we saw with Peko and what I, and I've highlighted with um, in that video I posted about the dampers, you can over-engineer these bikes. You can, you can make the bike to where... It's numb to the rider. And that is the most dangerous thing a team can do is take the feel away from the pilot, whether that's in a four wheels or two wheels. You take that feel away from the pilot, you are playing, <laughs> you're shaking hands with danger. Um, so, you know, should they shut up and, you know, should they shut up and dribble? I don't know. They shouldn't. I think, I think we are all smart enough to know who the people are that are just, who are complaining and finding any excuse to, to avoid finding any, any excuse or anyone to throw under the bus. And we also, but we, and we know that, and we know the people who are, legitimate have legitimate concerns um and are accountable and honest about it um peco i'll let you guys form your own form your own opinions on it i think for the most part yes he does say some extremely stupid shit but most of the time when he when he makes when he makes a criticism about the bike Within a few races, if that, you something always comes up out of the something always comes out of the woodwork where you can kind of say, okay, I can you can you can see where he's coming from. Um, and the other thing too, that they, they have made improvements, but have they really made the improvements? Um, I made the com, you know, I made the post on on the story about. KTM only being 25 points ahead uh, from where they were last year. And I've got the constructors um, standings for both 2022 and this year up. So after, as of Germany, at this point in time, um, KTM, basically KTM was after, let's just say Argentina of last year, they were in, they, they were dropped down the fourth and they basically stayed in fourth for the rest of the year. You had Ducati, Yamaha, and Prilio in the top three. Um, whereas this year, KTM is second. Aprilia is third. So the 25 points, it's not a very big margin. Um, and I'll just go... I'll, 
so Aprilian Yamaha. So from, I'll go Yamaha first. So from uh, Qatar to Germany. 7, 20, 8, 9, 25, 20, 13, 20, 25, 25. Aprilia, 13, 7, 25, 6, 16, 16, 16, 16, 11, 13. Jesus Christ, that's consistent. And then there's KTM, 25, 25, or sorry, 20, 25, 10, 4, 11, 6, 8, 9, 8, 9. So you can see where those 25 points can come from with two teams, especially Aprilia being that consistent, almost, you know, I'm just looking at points. They're more times than not, they're, they doubled up, they doubled up on, on points between, from KTM. So are they really that good or is, or is it because Yamaha and Aprilia are struggling that much? I'll let you guys decide that. Um, but I just I don't think that KTM is that much. They've improved that much. I think it has more to deal with the fact that their rivals have struggled more than they have. Um. But yeah, it's. I I can see where Jack Miller is coming from with his comments, but. You know. I think he's shown everyone time and time again that he is he is the ultimate team player. He will defend he will defend whoever his team is and whoever his team it is regardless well, I shouldn't say regardless, but to to an extent. Um and also I think he's probably fed up with how much he's hearing everyone complain, which I can I can see, I can relate to that. You know, someone, if you hear, if you're someone like Matthew Burke, you keep hearing, you keep hearing, mock, 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 mock. You're going to say, dude, shut the fuck up. On the, on, and with Jack, if he's hearing Marquez or Pecco or whoever else, oh, it's a bike, the bike sucks. I hate the bike. I can't ride the bike, the bike, the bike, the bike. You're going to do, dude, shut the fuck up. So yeah, you keep talking, you know, you keep parroting it. And you're going to get annoyed by it. But at the same time, he can just tell the media or whoever, he can just either not talk about it, tune it out, or just tell the media, don't ask him questions about it. You know, there's there's always two sides to a fucking coin. Um, but yeah, I obviously from a fan standpoint, I don't want them to shut up in trouble because I like talking about this sort of thing. Um, if anything, I hope that whoever he quote unquote he is comes out and tells Jack, mind your own fucking business. Focus on freaking KTM. Mr. We're only 25 points ahead of last year, and that's only because Yamaha and Aprilia are sucking more than it, sucking more than you. I you know what? That I, I want to see that. I want to see whoever he is find out who he is, come out and say, So what improvements have you guys made? And then throw out those stats. And then just watch the sparks fly. I would absolutely love to see it. That would be such a great talking point. Um, but if it's Pecco, I'm sure he might say he might say something like that. And then a day or two later say that the media misquoted him, even though it was on video. And then Dorna and everyone else just kind of quietly just move set. Kills that story and moves along. Uh, 
um, because Dorn is a bunch of fucking killjoys. Unless it's about Mar Marquez, then they'll talk about it fucking 24, seven to, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they would talk about it more if there were more hours in the day and more days in the week. Um, and speaking of uh, outspoken people, um, Aleish, he had some uh, very, very interesting comments um not just about this weekend but also um about the aprilia which is another issue altogether uh this article comes from gp1 courtesy of daniela piazza what yeah i know you're gonna bug me again um so yeah so let's and again these are going to be verbatim um I'll just give you the what he's talking about, and then I'll read the quote. So this, the first quote is about the, this. This is about his um, little zigzag start that uh, he had in um, the sprint race um, Saturday. Uh, it was my mistake. I went too far to the right. We are testing a new clutch and a new launch control. I was concentrating on the clutch, and I didn't even realize that what I had done until I saw the video in the garage. I had a bad start. The rider, the rider behind was much faster than me, and I crossed his trajectory. It was my fault. You can't do this kind of thing. Um, and I think, well, we, I, I think everyone knows just how bad. And I think even Aleish even made a comment about that, saying that their their bike is terrible, um, which it is, especially off the start. Um, and it's kind of odd considering that the first three rounds of the season. Um, they were, I, I was one of them and I'm sure there, I wasn't the only one who was picking them to, to take the battle to Ducati in terms of the title and maybe even looking at Maverick Vinales as the dark horse for, for the, uh, writer's championship. Um, but obviously Maverick has, um, recessed into being the Maverick of old, at least for now, um, whether that's because of the bike or because of him or a combination of both, who knows? Um, and then they ask, um, Daniela asked him, could it be the fault of too much load on the front? And he says, we have a lot of downforce, that's for sure. Everybody has a lot of downforce, but everybody has the same. MotoGP now, and I don't want to blame MotoGP, which means he is blaming MotoGP, but it's boring. Everything is about the qualifying. Then you can do it. Then you can do a good race because all the fresh air that you get, the bike can be a lot faster, is a lot easier. If you're far back in the grid, even if you have strong pace, it's very difficult. It's frustrating. It's all about the qualifying and the start. And he he kind of he he kind of showcased that today because he was the only rider who went. If he wasn't if he wasn't the only rider, he was one of the very very few who went with the soft rear. And I think at one point he was fourth. Um, and then, you know, that, that rear tire just got hit, whether it lost grip because it was, it probably lost grip because of how hot it got, but he ended up, uh, I think, uh, where the fuck did he finish? GP. Results today. Uh, let's see. I think last I saw he finished ninth. Um, oh no. Oh, sh- wait, what? That can't, no, 
That can't be right. That no, 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 no. That can't be right. He finished sixteenth. He finished in front. He finished in front of Jonas Fogler. Wow. Damn. So he definitely fucked himself over going with that soft rear. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't even realize. I I thought he finished at least in the top ten, but he didn't finish in the goddamn points. That sucks. Um, whew, man. Um, so yeah, and so yeah, and, and you know, just with uh, with Aprilia struggles, you know, he's having he's having to make these 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 gambles and even Matthew Burt, um, the, you know, the Dorna, the Dorna commentators made the point where he's going to have to, he, with that soft retire, he's going to have to charge his way up to the front before that rear tire overheats itself and then control, control the pace. So he doesn't overheat the tire. Obviously he overheated the, overheated the tire because he didn't get up to the front and he finished, um, Second to last in terms of riders who stayed upright, um, and and he is right about MotoGP being boring, and he's be, and it's all because, well, I shouldn't say it's all because, but it has a lot to deal with all that furniture that they're putting on the bikes, um, along with the dampers that they're putting on. Um, but I've already talked about that topic at least once, if not multiple times. So I'm not going to rehash it. Um, but it's pretty obvious that Aprilia is struggling more than everyone else is. That is not Japanese. Um, so moving on to another one of his comments that I want to bring up. Um, here he is talking about the the race weekend schedule and also his thoughts on uh, the Zarcon Marquez incident. Um so first off, we're talking about the race weekend scheduled. Uh, I do my job. I do everything I can to improve. I go to all the safety commissions, and I'm pushing for a more relaxed Friday because it's impossible to continue in the direction the championship has taken. It's not possible that at every Grand Prix there are two or three riders in the hospital. Um, yeah, that's because those two or three riders are riding Hondas. Uh, that's just my opinion, not his. Uh, for this, I'm trying to put pressure and I hope that there will be some changes to the program soon. I can't speak for other riders, but I'm doing my job and the other Jack, I love you buddy, but you're annoying. Come on. Come on. All right, you get one more chance. <laughs> um I can't speak for the riders, but I'm doing my job and the others can do what they want. Um like I said, that Two or three riders in the hospital. That's really skewed because you have you have four Hondas. Um, so obviously, most of most of those injuries are Honda related. Um, but I also don't. Th- I don't think it's a scheduling. I think it has more to deal with how the bikes are designed and upgraded and set up. I I don't think. I don't think the scheduling is the issue. I think it's the bikes. Um, 
if anything, Moto2 and Moto3 are suffering more so because you have this sprint that's taking away, that took away a lot of practice time for the feeder series. Um, but in terms of the MotoGP, MotoGP riders, there, I, I, yeah, I don't think it's a scheduling thing. That's just my opinion. Um, and then moving on, uh, and then here's, here's his thoughts on the Zarco and Marquez incident. Uh, we talked about it. We also talked about what happened between Maverick and Alex. It is evident that it was a racing incident. It's not the first time, but I'm 100% sure it's 100% the fault of the rider who has rejo- who was rejoining the track. There has There is nothing to discuss here, and I completely agree with him. And that's why I made that video with Mark Marquez, because in Mugello, he said it wasn't his fault. And then this weekend, he said it was his. And here you have... Alex saying, no, it's the person who's joining the track, which in every fucking racing series, regardless of whether it's motorcycle or regardless of whether it's two-wheel, four-wheels, the person that is joining the track has is the person responsible for joining in a safe manner. Um, the rider, and this, is, and this is him talking about, the rider who is on the track and pushing to the limit doesn't have to do anything. If there are blue flags, it means that someone is coming faster and this must be respected by... By closing the gas, I don't see what there is to discuss here because you can blame someone for a, you because you can blame someone for apologizing or not, but not the action in itself. We must invite the riders to pay attention and respect the blue flags, as was done three years ago with the yellow flags, which were not respected by anyone. While now everyone slow, slows down, um, and then here he goes talking about um, using lights. Um, coming out of pit lane. We are not idiots. Well, some are. <laughs> uh, but we don't need green and red lights. There are three marshals waving the blue flags, one at the start, one middle, and one at the end. If someone is coming, wait. What happened can happen. It's an accident, but it's certainly not Mark's fault, said the Aprilia rider. Equally convinced that, participa- that participation in the safety commission shouldn't be imposed on riders. I love the... Co- I love the safety commission. Oh, I'm sorry, that wasn't his quote. Um, this is his quote. Um, I love the safety commission. I think it's a brilliant idea, and I thank the championship for giving us the opportunity to have opportunity, opportunity to have our say, but you should go only if you feel at ease. I have always gone to all of them, even when I was injured. As mentioned, I'm making pressure for the program to be changed. So again, this weekend... It wasn't Mark's fault last weekend. It was. That's cut and dry, short and sweet story of it. Um, and then that's it for, for Alicia's comments. Um, and then, yeah, talking about the whole, talking about coming onto the track from pit lane. It's, it is 100% the, the pilot's responsibility who is coming onto the track. And... It's also the track marshal's responsibility to let them know. Now, obviously, when you're on a motorcycle, it's a lot easier to look over your shoulder and see a bike coming than it is in, say, a Formula One car. So, yeah, it's it it was it was Zarco's it was Zarco's fault this this weekend and, and Mark's fault last weekend. Um, and I think we talked about that that enough. Um, but yeah, overall. Overall, and I said this before, you know, the race, 
the battle between Pega and Jorge, I loved it. I don't didn't care that it was just that it was a Ducati one, two, three, four, five finish. I just want to see those kind of close and tight battles. Um, you know, this I and me being a person who is in favor of or, or not in favor, but I don't I like spec series. I'm not going to complain about spec series because they're all the same. Um I care more about there being racing. Um, so yeah, that's just my opinion on my opinion on that. Um, but the race overall, it was pretty fucking boring up until those last handful last between Pecco and Jorge. Um, so yeah, it was it was a pretty good race. Um, speaking of racing, no, well, not speaking of racing, but moving on to F one, um, <laughs> which was kind of the opposite of um, an exciting race. Let's talk about Lando Norris's penalty. Um, he has said that he doesn't understand, it doesn't make any sense to him why he was given a five-second time penalty for unsportsmanlike behavior. Uh, Ted Kravis didn't know what the fuck unsportsmanlike behavior was, probably because he's uns- he's not a very good sportsman himself. Um, but... Article 12.2.1 of the ISC refers to any infringement of the principles of fairness and competition behavior in an unsportsmanlike manner or attempt to influence the results of a competition in a way that is contrary to sporting ethics. Um, and he, Lando didn't have any idea because the team didn't tell him. Um, but the main reason was for him going slower than... Slowing, slower than normal during the safety cars so that his team can double can double pit him and his teammate Oscar who was in front of him without without stacking up. Um, the video clearly shows them coming around the hairpin and there being let's see here I'd say about two or three cars with car uh, about a two or three car gap between Lando and Oscar and then as soon and he just dawdles on the throttle coming out I'll hopefully you guys can hear this I'll just play it Norris given that five second penalty the message earlier was driving unnecessarily slowly that leads us to guess that it was behind the safety car building a gap where McLaren had to double stack the cars surely a racing driver doesn't drive unnecessarily slowly at any other time unless it's to death and uh, hopefully you can you heard that, but you heard him just ver- just dawdle on the throttle, and all of a sudden he hits the accelerator. And when he's dawdling, Oscar takes off. So that that you know two to three car length gap turned into several turned into a, over a dozen car lengths. So yeah, the penalty was justified because he obvi- it was. It's pretty fucking obvious that he did go slower, and I think they even said that um, they registered as a fifty kilometer an hour difference, which is a pretty big difference in speed. Um, yeah, so there was a significant difference in speed between car four and eighty one between turns ten and thirteen, approximately fifty kilometers and fifty kilometers an hour. Um, so yeah, penalty justified. Um, and then Russell with his crash, um, he's been, 
he's been having a bit of rap. He's been having quite a string of these uh, errors lately. Um, and I'm, I'm just kind of wondering if it's, if it's just him being, if it's just a maturity thing or if he's just being that, if he's just being too overly aggressive, um, or if he's, you know, he's overdriving the car. I don't know, but you know, compared to uh, Lewis's for, Lewis's other teammates like Valtteri and Nico, they didn't crash as much. Um, and yet George is, and he also made those comments a few days ago about um, two or eight, two or three unnamed uh, drivers who don't have very good peripherals. Well, George, buddy, need to work on your own freaking peripherals. Um, your your own issue. You need to sort your own house out before you, before you make uh, criticisms about others, um, because you're you're the only person that's cons- consistently crashing in that in that Mercedes garage. Um, but yeah, it's just I'm not going. I'm going to withhold my my judgment on on Russell and his and his driving capabilities uh, for now, just because again. It's only his what second or third full year with the factory team, and I, you know, and the couple of years before he was with Williams, and who knows how what kind of driving habits he picked up there. Um, but I will say that he needs to stop. He needs to stop putting. He needs to stop damaging the car so damn much. Um, last year was a great year for him, absolutely great year because he beat he beat Lewis out. Almost in every single race. This year, not so much. Um, but who knows why that is. Uh, and speaking of Williams, excuse me. Speaking of Williams, James Valls made an interesting comment uh, several days ago about about the condition of the, the Williams factory saying that uh, some of the facilities are 20 years behind what other teams are. Um, and he made a comment specifically about the basically the composite uh, sector of the, of the race team is 20 years old, um, which is, I was shocked about how out of date that, out of date those facilities were. Uh, I know that Williams... You know, obviously they've had some financial troubles for <laughs> for a good part of those twenty years, but you know it's it's hard for me to think of a, think of a reasonable explanation for why why facilities were not <clears throat> were not kept up to date. Um, you know, when I first started being a mechanic, one of the one of the seasoned mechanics said something to me, and, and it rings true—not just in mechanics, but in in a lot of um, a lot of things. In order to make money, you got to spend money, and racing is probably has an emphasis on that. So the fact that the fact that something as vital as as their composite um, department is twenty years out of date speaks volumes about about just how far behind Williams is and in all honesty 
is probably punching above their has punched above their weight for a long time. Um, considering that, considering how out of date their facilities are, um, and maybe that's one of the reasons why. Um, oh fuck! What, damn it! What's the former Williams team boss um, kind of just le- left so suddenly? You know that I I sure shit would leave that early if if the t- if the facilities were that out of date and you know there were other circumstances that weren't very favorable to me. I mean. You're you're starting to stack up a list of reasons not to stay rather than reasons to stay. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely interesting. It was definitely interesting seeing that. Um, and I'm just going to touch on this a little bit because I think everyone has covered it enough and talked about it enough. But I just I'm getting I'm getting a little tired about the media. Um, talking to these, talking to celebrities and athletes about about Abu Dhabi twenty one. Now I know that I don't. I don't know the whole article, but basically there was um, it, it was on social media quite a bit that Gareth Bale stopped stopped watching Formula One after Abu Dhabi twenty one because he feels like Lewis Hamilton was cheated. Um. And it's just getting is. Y'all need to get over it. That's just a simple, simple truth. Um, if you look at the report, you look at the rules that were cited, and you read the rules, you can. Hopefully, you can formulate an educated enough opinion and conclusion that, yes, what Massey what Massey did, was not. It wasn't what everyone would have done. Probably ninety nine percent of ninety nine percent of race stewards wouldn't, race directors wouldn't have done. But it's in the rules that he can do he, that. What he did was was legal. So if it's legal, then why are you guys all saying it's illegal? And if you guys are going to c- complain about that, then let's talk about Singapore. In 2008. But if you don't want to talk about Singapore 2008. And how Massa deserves a title over Hamilton. Then maybe you should shut up about Abu Dhabi. Because one of those is not like the other. One of those. Is a lot more egregious than the other. And is a lot more legal than the other. And I'll give you a hint. It's not Abu Dhabi. But anyway. Um, yeah. I just. I'm getting. The media's, you know, freaking just beating a dead horse with this Abu Dhabi thing. You know, just ask if 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 any of that athletes or celebrities talk about Abu Dhabi, it's like, okay, you know, it's just on second thought, just let's just move on. Or or at the very least, at the very least, do what journalists do what good ethics, ethical journalists do. Question them about like, well, why do you think he was cheated? I mean, it's in the rule book. What Massey did was perfectly legal. Why do you think they were cheated? Follow up questions. Press them. Count, you know, ex, I don't want to say expose them, 
but highlight the facts, highlight the truth, and see if they want to dig themselves a deeper hole or they want to just agree to disagree or hopefully see the light. Um, but yeah, overall thoughts on the race. I'm glad that I'm seeing the gap between RBR and the rest of the pack starting to close. Um, hopefully it closes a lot quicker or a lot quicker and a lot more so that uh, we don't, st- so that uh, the racing is a lot more exciting, not as boring. And also, so we actually start seeing the fruits of the, um, of the penalties that RBR was handed down for their cost cap cheating, uh, the fruits of that, the fruits of that labor, because if not, then we're going to have a, we're going to have a very detailed and passionate discussion about that, uh, very soon. Um, and speaking of passionate, a little bit off topic, but will powers comments on Romain Grosjean, um, (laughs) I, I love Will Power because he he's he's like IndyCar's version of Aleish. He's honest and passionate, tells you what he feels. Um But yeah, basically Will wanted to punch Romain in the face because Romain blocked him extremely late during a practice session. To quote Alan Iverson, we talking about practice. Not the race. We talk about practice. Um, and for those that haven't seen the video, I would urge you to see it because it's it's a bad block. I mean, it, regardless of whether Romain wants... Romain can't say he was trying to move out of the way from... For, move out of the way. It, it was pretty clear that he he blocked Will. He didn't want Will by. But it, again, it was fucking practice. Um, but, you know, they got 10 minutes to make... To end this... <laughs> So I'll be I'll try to I'll try to be quick about this. But what Romain has brought to IndyCar cannot be disputed. He has brought he has brought viewership and fans in because of his brash and sometimes over the line racing and comments. Um I don't particularly care for Romain. I think he He's one of those drivers who is very quick to blame everyone but himself. Um, and he continues that in IndyCar. Um, as well as his as well as his lack of talent. Um, one of the very few things that I will agree with Will Buxton on is his assessment of Romaine, which is to summarize, he ha- Romaine is very, extremely talented. He has races where he shows he shows the talent and the reason why he was given Formula One seat, but more times than not, he show, he he displays re, he he does he makes moves and he makes moves and judgments that make you wonder what the fuck were you thinking, um. But so yeah, is the guy has crashed out of more points finishing races than anyone else. I think in any car um, to say that it was, that it's a surprise to me. It really isn't because he's basically doing the same thing he did in formula one. And that is when he's in, when, when he's able to bring home, bring the car home, bring it, 
and a good haul of points, he throws it all away. And then the only difference now is that he's actually he's he's being more he's being more accountable. But um, just like I think it was last year, I think it was last year in Long Beach where he he crashed in he freaking plowed into the back of another of another car. I, and surprise, surprise! In, in practice, he blamed the track marshals for not displaying flags. Like, dude, the car is basically fucking stopped, and you're blaming the track marshals because your depth perception was that fucking off. No, that ain't that ain't how it works. So every now and then he, every now and then, every now and again, his comments revert back to throwing someone else under the bus and not being accountable, just like his racing. Um, but again, you can't, his personality, his personality is bringing fans and viewers into the sport. So it's the, it's still too early to say if he's going to be a net positive or a net negative for any car. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it's going to be a net negative because, Yes, having a villain helps racing, but it's my personal opinion that you don't having a you don't really need you don't really have to have a villain in racing to make it popular. Does it help? Absolutely, um, and it helps even more when being the villain when the guy when the guy's legitimately an asshole. Um, unlike Pekka, where you know it sounds like he's a little conflicted on whether he wants to be the villain or not, um, but yeah, willpower, please go punch Romain in the face. We we want I'll, we want to see that. I would love to see that. Uh, maybe he can uh, write books and do a media tour on on how he came back from being punched in the face by a two time world champion, just like he did with freaking the the fiery crash. Um, what was it? Abu Dhabi, I think. Yeah. Anyways. Um, wow. 54 minutes. This is probably, this has been the longest podcast I've had in a long time. Um, thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast and until next week, stay safe and I'll catch you on the flip side.